We are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes beyond the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes we make you laugh, but most times we go deep. I'm your host, David Cammy, and I'm joined by Cosmom09, Rachel Burt, Sharon D, aka Blazy Gardner, and Bridget, ko-fi.com slash punky brewster. That's P-U-N-K-Y-B-R-U-I-S-E-T-E-R. And hey, bitches, we're back from the camp. How's everybody feeling right now? <laughs> Uh, I'm sick. Amazing. <laughs> Great. Yes, we had fun at the camp. Yes, 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 sir. Too much fun was had, and we're all still recovering. <laughs> Is there such thing as too much fun? Yes, I had it. Dennis yeah. told me today, he's like, the first two days after you come back from these things, you're not worth the shit. <laughs> I was like, I was like, accurate. <laughs> we're here to talk about Fear the Walking Dead's third episode of its eighth and final season titled Odessa. Odessa Sanderson. So we're here live, actually, with you. <laughs> In case you hadn't noticed, which is not something we usually do, but in the interest of expediency, we wanted to get on live with you to talk about this episode. Maybe even talk some shit, but hopefully not too much shit because people want to go to sleep. These ladies are sick, most of them, except for Bridget and me, which is probably the curse of death because I just put it on Bridget and me, and now we're going to get sick. Thanks. High five, Bridget. Oh, yeah. Wait, well, to be side. fair, Bridget was sick like every week leading up to camp, so I feel like this is like <laughs> True. her, she her got reprieve. She had already <laughs> built up a tolerance to all whatever the heck was going around so my redemption yeah. finally came so charity actually what is behind you right now i see open inside that is the banner that was hanging up at the that's my viewing party up in the rafters when they were leaving they took it down and gave it to me and so i'm oh. using it as my backdrop it says don't dead that. open inside and then twd at the bottom but it's really big so like you know it doesn't i had to you know you really can't see anything but it does say don't dead open inside on it yeah all the <laughs> all the audience can see his N side, side. yeah because <laughs> your head <laughs> anyway Takira says oh my god Sanderson is my maiden name well I guess you have a long lost cousin probably not <laughs> just by the size of things I will eventually post you can see this on Rachel's Instagram Cosmom09 on Instagram she revealed prematurely I really wanted to do a big reveal with a high res image <laughs> Yeah. But she oh, re- yeah. she couldn't contain herself, and I don't blame her at all because it's pretty awesome. No. Lisa had commissioned public thanks needed to be made. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, gratitude just sometimes explodes from our lips. Yeah. Aliza commissioned yes. Kirk Manley to do a rendering of us, a comic style panel of the Squawking Dead core crew. We gave Aliza a bunch of photos for, for him to draw inspiration from, full body, headshots, etc. And this is what he came up with. I look incredible, probably David, at my best weight. You look so <laughs> So good. Dave looks better than every single one of us in this. Yes. I, yes. I wouldn't say that. Bridget, you look amazing. David has this like crazy like bedroom face going on. Like, <laughs> yeah, like who okay. is that? Rachel, dude? but Rachel, you look a badass. Like you're like all Sarah Connor and <laughs> up into that shit, man. Dude, Sharon, you, you look your pretty patch, bad fucking your ass patch too. Is awesome. <laughs> I do I do love my patch. My yeah. patch says Jenna's gang. So and then you look Bridget like you're a ghostbuster. I do. I felt like a ghostbuster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But don't call me call dave right (laughs) can you help me with my computer i'm trying to kill rachel and dave in this for some reason (laughs) exactly bridget has two knives because you're trying to get away with the declaration of independence oh yeah that's right that's what we talked about (laughs) gotta get the declaration of independence That was a yes. killer end yes. to that reveal. Yeah. Anyway, so there is a video great. up on Rachel's Instagram that explains all these inside jokes, but also our reaction to 
receiving this. So at least mine and Bridget's, because uh, you, you guys had seen it already, right, Rachel? Aaron? Aliza told us ahead of time. Yeah, she, she told us ahead of time. Herself. She couldn't keep it in. So <laughs> I have a picture from before it was colored in and before they finished all the details because Aliza couldn't keep it in. She kept sending me pictures. <laughs> <laughs> she held off with me for a little for a little while. Oh, okay, longer. we will put that up, put up a high res. <laughs> we'll put up the video. I'll probably put a more edited, sm- a shorter video of the reaction video, and then just put it all tie it all together in one video. Ben says everyone is fighting zombies, and Dave is posing for the camera. Yeah, <laughs> as my friend used to say, I have that scotch and sofa smile. Oh, okay, accurate. Whatever that means. That sounds really um, inappropriate. He said, "In the name of positivity, I thought this episode and." season eight so far had great visuals the cinematography is really nice and the walker effects and vfx in general have been really good i agree with that mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. yeah I, that, I mean the except, end shot of this except episode for the really except the cgi head except the cgi head other yeah. than that yes 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 things are green ben i think you're actually going to be pretty surprised with with what i have to say about this episode i just i just rewatched it before we got on here same here same here because i couldn't hear anything same in the, in the a chris room. gonzalez by the way it was fun watching it in the hotel room though it was that it i wish we could fun. do that all the time so well, yeah, with better with better volume that is one of the things i wanted <laughs> yeah. to say too yes yeah, that we watched the ep- we've no. most of us had finally watched the episode the last very last hour of the camp well it wasn't the hour of the camp last hour of the night before we to go to bed before we had to leave the next day. Sharon had already watched it. I think I don't know if anybody else had though, but it was a Aiden had. I didn't. Okay. A bunch of us had gotten together to watch it. And I was surprised that we actually were as animated as we were, too. Just talking. Just, <laughs> I felt like we were pissing you off. Like at a I was. Point. I was a little pissed off at one point. <laughs> I was like, shush, I'm trying to watch the episode. You guys. You guys are talking. I'm missing some words. You didn't think I'd be that like annoyed, right? <laughs> You were being so kind, but I could, I knew how pissed off you were. I literally said, oh, look, Elisa's, uh, sorry, Eliza Jones is in the, is in the chat. It was so much fun. She said, uh, Jenna Rose, hi, okay. season eight. Love season eight. Oh, Eliza. We hey, Eliza. Eliza. Not Eliza. Hey, Eliza. Eliza. Hey. And, and also what? Jones. At least Eliza. It's confusing. Jones, but not Eliza. Not Eliza. Oh, Eliza. sorry. Hi, Eliza. <laughs> British Eliza. No, I'm kidding. British Eliza. Eliza standard time. Eliza standard time. Anyway, this is very confusing for the audience. Why don't you just say <laughs> that? She I was there with us. Away. Yeah. Right. Sharon wouldn't know who Prickly Tits is. <laughs> Prick. David's like, right, we'll just call her prickly tits. That's right. That. Oh, if you know, you know. Uh, let's not do that, actually. But hey, yeah. Lisa, what's up? Moving on. Oh, no. Jenna Rose says, I watched episode three last Friday. MC Plus is so worth the dollar buckets. Dollar buckets. Dollar bag of dollars. Anyways, miss you, guys. Miss you too, Eliza. Eliza. Fuck. See? It's hard. Damn it. We were just talking about Eliza. That's why it's a little confusing. Anyway, so yes, we watched the episode together. I think there was some mixed reactions. Some of the reactions were explosive. Some of them were not. Some of them was just spawned conversation, which I promptly shushed because it's so annoying. David's like, shut up. Don't talk about it now. I, I remember it clearly too. I'm like, shh. And everybody was kind of like surprised. I'm not usually this, you know, anal. There was there was definitely that moment I remember. Yeah. Well, I grew up with sisters too, so like I think that kind of sparked fighting over the television. <laughs> and me mm. being super patient like, and the- it's my time. Shut up. It's exactly. <laughs> Guys, I got here first, so I'm in charge of the television. That's that was the rule. But I was benevolent, mm-hmm. brother. I would I would let them watch what they wanted to watch if they wanted. It's my tiny 15-inch computer screen that you're all yeah. watching. They're all crammed I'm, around watching. That the sound can't go I'm higher than it seven. already is. <laughs> 
Emily says this season so far keeps giving us whiplash from the ups and downs. We'll definitely get into that. Oh, oh mm. my God. Me too. Emily Tagir says Ryan Stewart says, how do you think Morgan gets to Atlanta in the next episode? How do you think they get back? He's going to run just like he did to Texas. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> he ran ever He's since the run last his episode. little heart out. <laughs> exactly. Same way he got to Fear the Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's been running since the last episode. <laughs> Christopher Gonzalez is Morgan teleports, of course. God, yeah, of course. Eventually, he goes 88 miles per hour and just gets there. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> it's a DeLorean Zodiac boat. Right, exactly. Or <laughs> boots. Jane says, I really enjoyed this episode. Hey, Jane Lalonde on Twitter. Let's get into first impressions. And we'll start with Sharon because you've been holding this episode in your brain for quite a while. And I'm actually curious to see where you landed because you never know. It was better than 801, but not as good as 802. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> There's some parts that are just so bad. It's just, this doesn't make any sense. I, I know we're going to get to it eventually, but to me, it's like June and Daniel are the only two fucking people on the show that make any sense at all. They're blaming, please, this show making me defend Madison, for God's sake. It is not Madison's fault that Ava died. I heard that, actually, when right. we were watching. Oh, because she was trying to get your you back, Padre. Yes, because Padre took her. It's Padre's fault she's dead, if anybody. The right is just so, it's so dumb. I hate There's to say it. There's some inconsistencies with that. There's so many inconsistencies. It just annoyed me because I was sitting there the whole time like, what are you talking about? It is not Madison's fault. Wait, keep going. Keep going. (laughs) No, don't stop. Don't stop. (laughs) Did you notice Madison does feel responsible? She didn't argue that point. She's just like, well, yeah, it's my fault. Which made me mad, too. Okay, Morgan. Strikes like it's June. It's your fault that he does that he got bit. No, you fucking let him get bit. Mm-hmm. How was that June's fault? Well, that to me made more sense. I could see why Shrike would say this. I'd say anything to keep this project going. Meaning, if I have to put the blame on somebody else, I see why she's saying it. But it just, as an audience member, it's, it's I, I don't know. It, this is not the writing is just bad. I'm sorry, it's just bad. But I did like parts of it. I loved Daniel in the cup when he came walking out with the cup. <laughs> that <laughs> the just cracked me up. I liked a lot of it. I thought it was most of it was really good. It was just the parts that were just ridiculous. Like them running off and getting lost in the Padre maze of things. She's like, follow my voice. And like, Shipping containers. What? <laughs> Why? He wasn't. He, he, well, you He's don't even know where you here. are. <laughs> that part did make me laugh. Follow I remember someone in the room yelling, He's not looking for you. <laughs> That's right. No, that was was that, oh, okay. I thought it was Eliza. <laughs> so, I mean, first impressions, I like. It. I didn't hate it, but parts of it really annoyed me, especially the part where they made me defend Madison. That really, really. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's a problem that you have to work out on your own. <laughs> <laughs> but. Just to go on that note was some of that was reflective of the first episode where things were just flip flopping in a sense. Are you with me? You're not with me. Like Dove, she's with me. She's not with me. Then she wants to kill me. Madison, I'm, I'm Madison this man. Then she's like, no, we, we're going to deal with her like we did with Finch, essentially. Also, Finch looks super, super good for still being in recovery and having just been bitten. And underwent surgery. And radiation treatment. Yeah. Yeah. He's totally fine. June, you're a fucking miracle worker. I mean, I'm down with that, but he (laughs) just looked really, really good for someone who just went through radiation therapy. On the note of what you just said, Ian Goldberger and or Andrew Chambliss had said something about the treatment that was given to Finch and that was essentially boiled down to, and I I will put the article in our blog for reference, but he had said something to the effect of, it's not a cure for radiation treatment, let's say, but it is the equivalent of when somebody needs to amputate their arm. If you can isolate the radiation to the affected area,
diarrhea. It literally stops the infection. Now, does that mean they won't have long-term effects? No, possibly not. Maybe not. They didn't get that far in. It's not a cure. It is a treatment akin to amputating a limb. Well, cool. I'm really glad they're experimenting on children then. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, same here. Yeah. Last week, they went through the express motions of telling us how dangerous it was and how much worse the treatment was than the bites. But like all of a sudden, the very, oh, June, we're sure you can do it. And then the very next patient is totally fine. What? I am, yeah, I'm, I am skeptical. I want to see how this, what the mechanics are of, of what, how, what's involved here and what the effects are also. June's a miracle I'll reiterate worker. what I said last time. I do not appreciate the show writers putting me into, in a position to root for a child's death because I'm so anti this cure crap. Mm. Thank you, writers. I'm so glad I'm like, Finch must die. This is so stupid. Why would you do this to me? (laughs) June is a miracle. You go, June. You you saved humanity. One experiment after after you said you would never do it again. So I mean, if it could be done right away, similar to a limb. They also talked about because Madison was like, could it be something genetic? So I'm hereditary. Right. So I'm wondering if they're gonna if they're gonna lean that way too. But maybe we have two cures. Madison and Alicia have their own hereditary cure, and then we have the radio cure that's that just cured finch right they were saying how the blood is involved do we also need to remember that sherry was pregnant and breathing radiation like she was in the radiation while she was mm-hmm. pregnant finch had all this stuff going on in the womb so i don't feel like spider-man he might have come out come out a superhero <laughs> with radiation powers red kite starling i can climb like walls was- <laughs> <laughs> why am i dying <laughs> you <laughs> <laughs> mommy daddy i mean finch red kite i'm coughing blood christopher gonzalez says madison to me has been one of the only ones making any logical sense this season except when she said morgan was the leader the resistance needed that's right that's right we'll get to that christopher, christopher definitely want is rooting i think for danielle to be the the leader the commander that we all deserve takira says oh yes oh yeah she's the only one using her brain somehow this season <laughs> And no one wants to listen to her. Uh, and the resistance <laughs> already has a leader. They Heather. need. Hey, Heather. Oh, Heather Jenks. Hi, guys. Um, I'm way behind on fear, I but let... still wanted to come on for a minute, even though I have no idea what's going on. I love listening to you all talk about oh, it. No. Yay. Aww. Hey, Heather. I like Emily's idea. Emily says, this is entirely random, but there should be a drinking game for every time a character mentions the seven years time skip. <laughs> well, which actually Bridget said in a couple episode, episodes ago was kind of necessary because in our heads, I mean, we're kind of still in that, like, what? It just happened. <laughs> Madison Morgan going to the island just happened. So I'm it's good to have that reference of the reminders because yeah, to us the 7B just happened. I personally do need the reminder. Although drinking game would just be funny. <laughs> Every time Dave gets reactive about you guys making fun of Morgan, everybody drinks except for Dave. <laughs> Dave has moonshine. Every time Dave says shh, shh. <laughs> I actually did enjoy the episode as a whole. I liked that we got some more information. The flashback scenes were a little (laughs) hokey yeah but it was interesting to see little baby shrike it was very cute (laughs) baby sam yeah (laughs) i especially appreciated how calm and collected their dad was while he was being eaten alive (laughs) (laughs) right talk about stoicism right just keep it going (laughs) no screaming keep it going never forget me he's like the equivalent 
<laughs> of the monks that set themselves on fire. Oh, <gasps> Tibetan. He didn't move or... What? Why would they do that? Why would they do what? Set themselves on fire? Why would they set themselves on fire? In protest. 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 They're uh, anti-violence. So they... Do they die? What? So they committed to themselves. Yes. Do they, they die? die? Mm. Yes. How, who is that helping? You get to protest once. Well, in the hopes that it moves <laughs> hearts and minds to the cause and people listen. But... I don't agree don't, with it. I mean, you'll never know. Well, wow. they're, anyway. the rest of them will know. Emily says the haircuts are tragic too. Yeah. Well, like, it's yeah, we like to call Shrike haircut. <laughs> yeah. Haircut. Well, what about yes. you, Bridget? What about me? I don't have the head for this. <laughs> I thought it was an okay episode. It wasn't super great. There were some really weird choices in it, but there were some pretty enjoyable parts. So I feel pretty meh about it, I guess. I was super stoked because I got to see Daniel. Mm-hmm. That was top notch. If I'm not mistaken, your favorite character on Fear of the Walking Dead, which yes. that's one of the episodes I think we need to air. Or is it the saddest mm. moments? I can't remember now. Because mm. we have anyway. saddest moments and favorite moments coming up. All right. Oh, yeah, that's right. Fra- favorite moments, saddest moments. And we had our favorite <laughs> characters episode. That's right. Moments, yeah. David. Moments, not moments David. Moments. <laughs> I didn't say episode. Not this time. Again, same kind of points that were brought up that were weird. Like the flashbacks are a little hokey. The scene with the dad dying is completely unreal just what is happening no one would stand there and not make a single sound <laughs> about dying I'm sorry. i don't care how badass you are it's not gonna happen just some nice little just little nice nibblers I thought the end of the episode was a really cool setup for future episodes, but I don't know where I'm sitting on this. I'm on the fence. By the end of this episode, it's more of like a wait and see because there's a lot of things we don't know how to feel about by the end of this episode, I don't think. Well, because you think you're going to get some big reveals and you're not. Oh, by the way, suck it, Troy lovers. (laughs) 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 It's our Victor laugh, apparently. (laughs) <laughs> yes, Troy is not Padre, but we're still going to have to talk about it, unfortunately. Neither is Tobias, and I'm super sad about Thank that. Thank God. You I know mean, what else? I, I, wish, it, I wish it was Tobias. I want to say I something really about do. that, though. Walker Wynn had just posted a Fear the Walking Dead dedication, final season dedication uh, poster, and she even goes as far as to mention Alex and show like a silhouette of Alex. No Tobias. I know. No Tobias. I know. Love it. Love it. What? <laughs> She didn't even include Griselda. I think Griselda what? is in there. No, oh, she's okay. not. Well, she's also not a main player. But she was one of the first characters, David. David. I don't care, really. It's fine. <laughs> anyway. She just showed Griselda's stump. It's the end here. <gasps> no. no face, just the stump. Sad. I Am I mean? Is that happening? The pile of, a- pile of ashes. That, maybe that too, sure. <laughs> Griselda. <laughs> like, a, like a little smoke coming from Thank you. the pile. Thank you. Mitchell and Takira both love Tobias. I don't mean to too. hate at all because it was a very beautiful poster. So. Mitchell says stop the Tobias hate. Nah, fuck Tobias. Fuck Tobias and his fucking face. I love Tobias. Tobias. Dave, is, awesome. Dave is stupid. I'm entitled to my David, opinion. here's why you're wrong. Okay. Tobias yeah. called the entire po- apocalypse right before it began. Yeah, he that's what made him fucking dumb. Shit. Tobias is amazing. Yeah, no, that's the Tobias is me, Dave. I'm Tobias. Yeah, and we know uh, all of us would be dead meat, and so is Tobias. No, No, I would be alive. I'd be alive, and you'd be dead meat. Because he'd be trying to get into my house, and I'd be like, pew, pew, get out of here, boy. I'm all right. I'm okay. (laughs) I'm also dead. I'm also man enough to admit that I'm dead. So dead. off the rails really quick. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. 
<laughs> Emily says Tobias. I don't is know mid. what just happened. <laughs> I don't know what like, just Tobias is so alive. What if Tobias is Madison Thomas? Okay, oh, I'd be God. down for that. I'd be down for that. I would too, because that means Madison's actually dead, and it's been Tobias the whole time. I am Tobias. So I want to go to the meat of this episode, because mm-hmm. by the end of it, even <laughs> Madison wavers when Shrike says, well, "Why don't you go ahead and tell them the truth?" And she just stays sti- silent. And I know a lot of that has to do with perhaps agreeing, because mm. from that point, it goes straight to June saying, "What were uh, Alicia and Nick like when I went away?" And Christopher Gonzalez right rightfully points out that June doesn't know what. Nick, how Nick was right. after the diamond because he had mm-hmm. died shortly thereafter. But but she but. was around Morgan and John who were around Nick. And they and could tell who could, have, who could have told her what was right. going on. So by the end of it, she knows exactly what it's like to lose children. And so there's like, you're looking at two different sides of a mirror. And it's not easy for someone like Madison, let's say, who doesn't often regret decisions, have to finally regret decisions. <laughs> yeah, she's always been like really self-destructive. Well, but more like stubborn. My way is the mm-hmm. highway sort of stubborn. That can be incredibly self-destructive. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. agreed. It's not a great trait. 100%. It's not a great it's trait. Like a it's like a Rickism. It's like... Like Rick is somewhat the same way. I've always said this. So by the end of this episode, the one important question I do want to ask is, in a sense, even though Sam and Ben, their motivations to continue Padre in their own twisted way, I mean, even the showrunners say it in the Insider episode or Insider, they say Padre had benevolent beginnings that have become, that became perverted. But in a sense, do you guys somewhat agree? I mean, forget about the means and some of the real key decisions that make us want to hate these two. In a sense, do you kind of agree? Because one of the things that I thought of was Sharon and Rachel you've said this more than anybody else is that they should be like Judith's and and not Gracie's and that maybe there is something to what they're trying to do until there is such a time as a cure or a therapy or something that can unite parents with children do you want Judith and Gracie but why take them away from their parents to do that maybe that's the only way one moment that really pissed me off is when Shrike was explaining the lie oh we knew that if we told the kids their parents had died it would break them so instead we told them that their parents abandoned them that's so much worse <laughs> right that is so much worse then you're just making the kids feel like my parents didn't want me yeah. enough to fight for me at least if they died they yeah. were dying for their kids but it wasn't a choice yeah i mean talk about breaking breaking the spirit of kids that that's the totally wrong way to go about it i mean i get they wanted to save kids from the pain of losing a parent but they're still losing a parent and they're losing their own feelings too yeah bridget you're it was notoriously terrible. Silent. <laughs> You're suspiciously silent. I want to hone because, in on the silence. Okay. I'm surprised I'm going to say this out loud right now, actually. I had a I'm, feeling. I'm shook. I'm shooketh. I cannot deny. I'm going to sound so hippy-dippy right now. This is so stupid. <sighs> I cannot deny their lived experience. I knew you were going to say that. Okay. Kill me. Kill me. Okay. Who's the Sam and Ben? Sam. Yeah. Because they think they're doing the right thing. Honestly. Now you have to think of it this way. How old are they supposed to be at the beginning of this? Mm, Teenagers. 15, 16. They're they're teens, right? So they're teens. 17. They're teens and they lose their dad because he was too busy protecting them rather than a equipping them that's the gist of what happened right hence their reactions in the in the containers and the maze 
all the sound of my voice, mm-hmm. been utterly freaking out. They've never <laughs> seen the dead before. Yeah. But we have mm-hmm. to think like if that's if that's what they lived through at a young age, their brains are going to be like totally jacked, right? Like that's the only experience they know. So they don't know anything other than that exact experience. I can only rely on my sibling, which is so dumb because your sibling got you into this. So literally the only person you can't rely on is your stupid brother. But OK, <laughs> but their family. He, so he literally got anyway. your dad killed. If anyone's going to blame anyone for anyone's death, it should be Shrike blaming Crane for her dad death because what was that guy doing really over some binoculars though <laughs> so dumb right but that's some pre-apocalypse logic you don't know that's, the some, dead. that's some dumb dumbs logic but you don't I'm know sorry. the dead you don't know no. what they're capable of i grew up with a single parent my mom was like you better stay in this boat because something really bad could happen if you get out here and also my mom would have been like also i'm gonna whoop your ass if you leave here and guess what i would have done stayed, on the damn stayed boat. in the freaking boat so you're saying their dad should have have resorted to uh, physical violence on their kids on the regular basis. Yes, <laughs> yes. But he didn't, so now it makes sense Once for us. Growing there up. we go. <laughs> anyway, wow. I don't get it because logically it doesn't make any sense. But I'm using like my own logic from my own lived experience. Right. <laughs> so I could see why they would want to do what they did at the end. They're transferring their own traumatic experience. Yes. They're projecting. Now, does it? It doesn't really make any sense the way that they're projecting. But okay. They're doing it so that they're the kids don't have to feel that pain and they don't have to they're taking on the yeah burdens. but i'm like i side with everybody like that is way worse to be told that your parent was like well i'm out i went to go get a pack of cigarettes and i never came back that's way worse than someone being like i'm so sorry but your parents died trying to fight for this okay yeah that's heartbreaking but at least you know that they loved you mm-hmm. now exactly. instead you're left with wow my parents hated me so much they left me my parents didn't care enough they thought i was a burden they just left me and let somebody else take me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think doing that was more of like anger motivating them. They're not all going to see like Ren did because Ren was when she told Morgan letting me go was the right decision at that time but keeping me away from Padre now is the right time but not all kids are going to have that point of view. They're mm-hmm. they're not going to think you you were trying to, my parents were trying to help me they're just going to think my parents abandoned me, left me behind. Right, right. Well and see that's the thing. I do think that the anger of being abandoned is a good motivator for the kids in a sense of they feel rejected by the people that were supposed to love them the most. A but B, what do they know? So there's that factor as well. And so, hey, we can only rely on each other. We're we're the new family. We are a new family. And everybody else is bullshit. Parents are bullshit, let's say. And of course, from their point of view, they felt like that was the right thing to do. It's not like I disagree with you. But if you look at their story and you see it through their lens, their traumatic, their lens of trauma, of course, it makes sense to them. It's not about what makes logical sense to us. Yeah, I get. No, right? I get that. It just it doesn't make me any less angry. Sure. It's supposed to make you angry. Because that's really dumb. Because it's just really dumb. I wouldn't even have thought that. I'd have just been like, your parents died. Like, I'm not going to be like... Uh, I'm going to create this lie so that I can turn you into my little soldiers. I would tell them the truth and then still teach them how to fight and prepare. I would be doing every, probably doing everything the same. Well, I'm not kidnapping children, but I'm saying like preparing the kids who did lose their parents without having to lie about it. So they said that they didn't take adults because adults wouldn't go along. Because they were like, why don't, why do you take them away from their parents? Why don't you just bring them all in? And they said, well, we don't, because the grownups won't, won't do the, what we want them to. They'll want to do what 
it their own way. Right. But yet they are bringing in grown-ups because Sherry and Dwight were both there. Mm-hmm. So why go through the extra agony of, of separating if you're going to bring And I'm sure they're not the only ones. They're the only parents that they've brought on. They, well, they brought on Morgan and Grace too. So When they open up Odessa's form, they do a whole psyche valve. One of the points that they did check off in, in her intake sheet was that she had insomnia. And so what I'm guessing is that, and it's, it's also been mentioned by Daniel also in that he's old and useless and so they dumped him in a swamp. But essentially they do a psyche valve, they do health, a full health workup, etc. To, to determine whether these people are going to be pliable to Padre's mission. And it's possible that because Dwight and Sherry were like completely on board with separating Finch from them and being reassigned to different locations. And probably after time, there was a little bit of crossover where Red Kite could be in the same classroom with Finch without causing any trouble. And it bore out that maybe that that was like the only condition that they would allow that sort of thing to happen, where they were their own names or call signs. Finch was his own call sign. And that was the way it was going to be. And they didn't even name the kid. Padre named their kids. So, so, and they didn't throw any hissy fit over it. So I guess they were on board. And so was the kid. I hope we find out that Finch's real name is John. Me too. As we said in the last one. Takira says every episode has made me angry in one way or another, but this one took the cake. <laughs> really? Okay. Were you more angry about this episode than the others? Or is it just every episode just blanket general makes me angry? They got stupid people to brainwash all the children, some of their parents. Like, come on now. Christopher Gonzalez says, how does Odessa slash Dove not know Ava was her mom? She was supposed to be seven when she was taken by Madison. I don't think that's how it works. I think she might have been younger. She looks pretty. She looks still. I mean, look, there's a trend of older actors playing younger kids. It's quite possible that she's 14, maybe. Yeah. So maybe if it's seven years later or eight years later or something like that, who knows? There's a chance that she forget she forgot her parents, what her parents face looks like after seven years. I know I'm complaining, but I do want to say that I, I did like the episode overall for the most part. It was just some of it just really bugged me. If it just felt like lazy writing, like they weren't really trying. I was like, oh, let's just say this. Nobody will argue it. They'll just buy it. No big deal. I kind of feel the opposite. I feel like they threw a lot at us. And when you throw that much information, it's, it, you know what it is. <laughs> Morgan. <laughs> It's that you only have so many episodes to tell the tale. And so you're throwing so much information at the audience. They did, they did this in the first episode as well to catch us up and so that we can continue with story, hopefully. I mean, the second episode was emblematic of a story that was told on its own. Let the visual storytelling take place. Also with a, the right amount of dialogue to kind of catch us up even further. But this episode was similar to the first episode. I said this before. Was that you're throwing a tremendous amount of information, many twists and a time jump and expecting everybody to kind of, okay, and expecting all the pieces A to line up a B to for the audience to kind of track all these changes that we're supposed to feel and absorb essentially which is why you know we, ha- we have a hard time buying certain things I think does that make sense to everybody because it's, it's a lot of info mm-hmm. there's a lot of going we all Shrike is gonna help us get on the boat and get on Padre and and then Daniel <laughs> comes in the Daniel comes in again with the, it takes out the Praetorians or I'm not saying I don't buy it I'm just saying I get why what they're trying to do I just feel like it's it's just cramming in a lot of info that can be... I think it's bad writing. I don't think they're trying to do anything. It just seems like bad writing. They're trying to get this season out so they can be done with it. <laughs> That's kind of what I mean. They're not going back and reading what they've already written and they just keep writing stuff. Like, oh, let's just keep putting it out there and we're not going to go back and make sure any of it lines up with the rest it's of like anything else. It's like a game else. of, um, what is that, and then or whatever? And then, see the improv <laughs> game? Improv. Yeah. That's, what yeah, the like. improv game. Yeah, that's what it's like. I'm in it till the end. Well, me too. Yeah. I didn't think this episode was bad, though, just to kind of go on my impression. It's not as bad as they have been. No, I don't think so either. It's definitely better than I expected, for sure. Ben says, I was much more angry about this episode, especially how they made such a big deal out of the Padre reveal. I'm Padre's daughter, quote unquote. A few moments later, actually, my brother and I are 
Madre. Wah! <laughs> Are we on Game of Thrones? Are they like Targaryens? We kind of already saw that. I, that's the other thing. I think we all saw that coming too. Did you think that uh, the father, General Krennic, was Padre? Or did you see that one of the kids was Padre? Dennis and I watched it earlier. And I mean, this, Dennis is not, you know, into it as much as we are obviously and he goes the brother is padre isn't he like he, he, he guessed it the instant he saw it and shrike is like oh padre is my i'm padre's daughter i'm not a liar i'm not a liar i'm not lying padre's i'm padre's daughter oh wait a minute padre's my brother so you were lying padre's the us she said i'm you are you are lying but still well, not, she lied about everything she lied about everything to say that finch she saved finch like you bruh you're literally the reason he got bit yeah are you for real you're gonna be like well i saved his life after you gave him a reason to need his life being saved it's so stupid after you dropped him on the, I know. Oh, the grim reaper's doorstep <laughs> yeah okay june saved him essentially christopher gonzalez says they have good ideas but they're executing it badly david Carranza says odessa was enjoyable but i felt like filler and exposition i was okay with that like what david said that's sort of how i feel about it as well there were some parts actually so I, on my second watch i did want to say that so when we were watching the watch party and then i'll get to the thing i felt in second watch one of the things i said was when you look at the flashback to 12 years ago and you look at general krennic sam krennic and ben krennic you're supposed to see sort of a mirror image of the clark family i think i think that's what they were going for in their own kind of weird twisted way now obviously ben didn't have a heroin problem and (laughs) sam didn't have well i don't know maybe she was kind of like alicia in a sense where she was supposed to be emblematic of shrike the person who's supposed to be clearly the more responsible of the two siblings right right which and ben clearly be, wasn't because he was supposed to listen to his dad yeah if it's a mirror of the clark family wouldn't they be the opposite isn't that mirror well mirrors mirror? can also be parallel the clark's in a different situation or a different circumstance you, in a sense you you're supposed to feel during those our, during our watch party you said yeah. you said it's a mirror and i said you're right because he's a good dad <laughs> wow well. <laughs> but either way so on second watch when they do the reveal after madison breaks the glass something about it just got me a little emotional too. There was something so sad about their story. And I kind of, for that one brief moment, I kind of connected with why they'd done what they'd done and it had a bit of sympathy for what they were trying to do. And it doesn't even make a well, difference it's path- until- It's sad, Dave. It's sad and it's pathetic. Yeah. They were two kids pretending to be adults to make this whole thing work because they didn't know what else to do. Think about that. Two kids pretending to be their dad mm. because they don't know how. It's like, it's so, I don't know. It's worse I, than that. It's worse than that. It's Peter Pan syndrome. It's the, well, it's, it's sort of Peter Pan syndrome. It's they are children, forever children, who are trying to recreate, the, was, what am I about to say? The recreate the circumstances with other children. The, their, their own circumstance with other children. We're going to take these kids' parents away and make them like us because we're capable. And so we're going to make them capable. And there is something tremendously pathetic about that. And for an instance, a small moment, I saw them the way I see our protagonists. We're trying to make up for things in our past that were horrible, traumatic instances like Morgan and June. And for that one moment until like the end part where they say, yeah, let's just unleash a th- thousands of walkers on these kids. They said exactly like that. Quote me. 
<laughs> but until that moment, basically, 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 I saw them like our protagonists and it really got me. I was literally almost tearing up. And so for like, for like a hot second, I, of course, Madison's not going to do anything for a hot second. June kind of just goes, fuck, how, what am I supposed to say to all that? Think of the last episode. Think of what June saw in Adrian and what she tried to do for Rose, what she tried to do for Hannah, what she tried to do for Finch. And so like, it really got me that one moment. And again, good that they kind of said, "Ah, fuck the kids. <laughs> they, we trained them. Let's see what they can do. Like until that moment, I was kind of like, am I on board with them? I know I'm not. It's like the Rick argument. Of course I'm with Rick, but at the same time, it got me for a second. So I can't slam the writing too much. The thing is, we always try to get what they're trying to do. We always try to attempt to see what they're trying to do. Like we can nitpick as much as we want. And I, I don't think this episode was unenjoyable because of some of the faltering in the writing. But did you feel maybe in, in that instance too, that you, there was something there? There was a bit of a silent moment there. Did you feel something in that moment? At the, at the end? Well, no, not at the very end, but that moment where they, you know, we are Padre, the, the, oh. we did what we had to do. We, what we felt like we had to do for these children as well. No. I think they took a moment to like sink, <laughs> like absorb that information. Like what the fuck? Yeah. There's a, what the fuck in that too. Well, sure. I, <laughs> That's what actually take a, I take offense to what you said. I'm not nitpicking. I'm not nitpicking. This. I don't feel like I'm nitpicking. I'm not nitpicking. This I'm not is calling not you good nitpicks. Writing. I'm just saying like we can, <laughs> like, that's what we have to do. We have to kind of nitpick these episodes and, and pick out what's what sucked and what doesn't suck. I think our gripes are legitimate. Yeah. I didn't say they weren't. What's going on? It's what everybody else is feeling right now. I hate that. Again, this brings up the whole concept of like, I've fought and argued for this show for so long, even when people said it sucked, even in season six and seven, even with the crying baby Mo, like I really, you know, wore my heart on my sleeve and, and fought for this show. And I, I feel really, I feel like the writers think I'm dumb. Mm-hmm. I want to love this show. I mean, I love this show and I want to love it, but I, I find myself majority liking just it. rolling my eyes. They're just not even trying. They'll just write some stuff and, and let's send it through. Nobody's, nobody's proofreading it or making sure that any of it makes sense. It's like, okay, we're done. Let's send it out and film it. And God bless the actors. They're doing the best they can with what they have. They really, really are. I have no complaints about the actors except but anyway, I'm not going to say that one. But anyway, <laughs> block of wood. I don't have any complaints about the actors, but what they're given to say on the screen is, is almost, almost insulting to them. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's Yeah, it's insulting to the actors. It's insulting mm-hmm. to us as viewers. I, I just, I mean, even, just even last episode, which I loved because, of course, I loved it. And even then, <laughs> like Bridget, like I was listening, I was going back and listening to last week's podcast. And you were saying that there were some parts that were weak. And it was. And it was things that probably could have been easily fixed. If, if the writers just gave a damn. Yeah, I want to move on. I'm digging my heels in because I'm angry and I don't want to dig my heels in about this anymore. I'm just going to leave it at that. I've said my piece about the writing and I'm going to move on now. I want to talk about some things that I liked about this because there is there is one thing I want to I want to go back to to complain about. But one, the special effects with the last scene was great. Love mm-hmm. that. Love that. The walkers look excellent. The walkers are awesome. They look excellent in all of the scenes they've been in in this episode, actually. Except for? With the exception of the Adrian Style. the CGI head it was so bad that 
that was so bad. That was not as bad as a deer, but it was like almost as bad as a deer. Yeah, it was bad, Dave. It was so not, bad because we're bad. so many we're so many years away from that deer. But it's nothing. That's why. That's what makes it bad. Deer. It's not even close. That's what makes it. Deer is so bad. So we're so many years away from that deer. It should be so much better. Anyway, on the note of the head, though, one of the one of the things I react. I I don't want to. We'll go back to what you were saying, though, like about the things you like about this episode. But like specifically with the head, because we're here. My reaction to that head was, oh my god, it's the dad. Do Do you agree with that? No, I'm not talking about that head, Dave. I'm talking about the head from the. I'm talking about the Adrian head. What about this head? That was horrible. This head was fine. <laughs> we this did that in the last episode. You know, you know what? This head was fine. The weird smiley face on the cloth. I like was, that. Mr. Was Oogie Boogie. It was very unusual. <laughs> I, I liked Oogie it. Boogie I liked man. that it was creepy. It made it hard to like focus because it was so funny. It reminds me of uh, the Black Mirror logo. Like the the show Black Mirror. For some reason, I was just like, I like it. I just, why do I like it? And then I remembered. <laughs> It's just weird. Why? <laughs> no, I thought the walkers looked good. Like the couple that we see chasing Crane through the shipping yard. Oh, yeah, like the good. fresh and walkers. Yeah, they looked good. And I have to say the nice the horde at the end looked great. And I'm excited to get to that. When we watched the last season of The Walking Dead, we all commented on how walkers had become frightening again and how that was such a an important piece of it because eventually you just hit a point where you're watching a drama that just so happens to have zombies in it. Yeah, yeah. Right, because it becomes more about the drama and less about the horror. I mean, that's fine. I, I love the show, but I also love horror. So the horror element is what was drew me in in the first place. So I appreciate that. So seeing a horde of, of walkers for the first time in a while, it feels like. Because of COVID also, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, it was good. I was excited about it. The color palette is staying strong. It has not returned to yellow. Just so much yellow. Just give give it time, Bridget. I'm sure a nuclear bomb will go off here too, because they're just going off everywhere. Right. I'm, f- I'm from Florida originally, and I moved out west when I was a teenager. And one of the things I missed the most was the greenery. So I I do appreciate all of the greenery and scrub woods and such that we're getting. Mm-hmm. And the cinematography is beautiful, like the long shots of the boats going down the river and stuff. Yes. That that stuff is all beautiful. The aerial shot of Ben running into the shipping containers. I thought that was pretty phenomenal mm-hmm. too, where we got to yeah. see mm-hmm. what looks like either I'm leaning more towards the Savannah port because that's where they're filming, but it pro- it might be what they're depicting as Louisiana. But there were some good, good shots in this episode. I mean, as weird as the shipyard scenes were, they were unusual. I did really enjoy like those close-ups of Sam as she's running where they're like kind of staying with her and then it's like panning to all of the crazy and stuff behind her. I really enjoyed those those shots. I thought they were really good. The claustrophobic nature of them being there too. Yeah. They, they filmed yeah. it quite, I thought quite well to kind of give you that sense. When they're running in there, that is the fear that you have, right? Like you don't know where you're going and, and you're going to get stuck. Hence, How are you going to get out of there? Hence the panic too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to something you said earlier when Daniel said that they just dumped him in the in swamp. the swamp because he yeah. was useless. Well, we've talked about why, about why Wendell hasn't shown shown up or, or anything and if they found daniel old and useless what do you think they would think about wendell right that's kind of what i was saying about him in the other episode it also makes me think that padre did because remember they told morgan that not as many people were on the rafts as you thought well i believe all those people were on the rafts and padre just dumped them somewhere and then told every told everybody that oh they just didn't show up they didn't the make rafts. it yeah. just like daniel that would ex- 
explain why we have not seen Wendell. And if they don't have Wendell, then you know Sarah wasn't going to stick around. So I'm sure that's why Sarah hasn't shown back either. Right. And that might not mean that she's and he are dead, by the way. At any point in time in the universe, they might show up again. Who knows? But let's go to something specific that Daniel says. And I think I liked it a lot because it shines a light on the season seven version of him. Memory issues that aren't present aside. I like that he mentioned Charlie. I like that he mentioned that he had to break his promise because he was forced to and not be there for her. But along with that, of course, they can't elaborate too much. And it's quite apparent. There's just no way that Charlie could have made it. She was already in a fragile state. I like the fact that in addition to that, because of the resolution that he and Luciana had, he mentioned that he was going to keep his promise to be there for Luciana as well. And he couldn't keep that promise either. Mm -hmm. The writers and he went out of his way to mention that because I thought that was a very important bookend to what could have been a potentially not so great resolution near the end of season seven, where she basically lied to him to get him to see Charlie at the end. Well, I was really happy that, that, that they, that he also mentioned Ophelia. There were two yeah. really obvious nods to previous seasons in this. And it was the Naomi thing at the beginning. Mm, yeah. And then Madison. the mention of Ophelia, which I really appreciated. It was nice to hear him say that he wanted to keep his promise not only to Charlie but also to Luciana because it was just you didn't think he was gonna like recover from what had happened between them which almost I kind of forgot about because just like the time jump <laughs> in a sense it's what important even happened the reunion between June and Madison was also just dis disappointing it was so low-key Naomi that's it you thought this woman was dead to which I mean June at least had the files ahead of time right so I can get her her, but but for Madison just turn over and be like, oh, Naomi, like you haven't seen this woman in 10 years. You thought she was dead. And here she shows up and you're just like, oh, Naomi. I don't, well, I mean, it was she just, could it was just kind of underwhelming. I see what you're saying. I, I think the circumstances made that possible, though. They didn't give us an Alicia and Madison reunion. They didn't give us a Charlie in Madison reunion. So they give us June and Madison. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> <I> mean, um, <laughs> it might as well have been like, a head yo, nod. sup, like, sup, 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 Naomi. You survived? You survived? <laughs> Word, word. That's right. <laughs> We're both blondes that survived. Christopher Gonzalez brought up, they mentioned right. LA being and bombed, yeah. which they did. Yeah, that's a good call. Good Project call. Cobalt, yeah, they right. mentioned that. I'm going to go back to Daniel for just a second because I like where this theme is going. We're talking about a father who had lost children, essentially. I mean, Luciana is quite older, but it's the idea of losing a child. Madison, losing a child. June, losing a child. Morgan, losing a child. And here are children who lost parents, you know, whether by force or circumstances beyond their control, that sort of situation. I like that th this is coming to a head. I like that, that this writing, at the very least, on, on, a, on a broad sense, is trying to pit these two concepts together and how June says it best, I think it was, to Dove when she says, you can choose, you know, this is found family, hashtag found family. In this world, you can choose who you consider family, and it's your chance to start over again. It's that little nugget of what we know from the universe. I like the momentum the show at least is having when it comes to certain themes. Maybe the dialogue and some of the specifics, totally valid. It's something that we have to do, we have to pick apart. But I do like overall where this is going in terms of parents losing children, ch children losing parents, and what that means and how these two themes collide. You know, as it pertains to the characters that we followed for the past eight seasons, more or less. So I, I think there's something 
something to what they're trying to do at the very least. And there's something sweet to it. Daniel, obviously I can't have any more children or I don't know who knows what the future holds, but at least I can get these parents back to their children. My job, my promises couldn't be kept, but I can keep their promise to get back to their kids. And I like that. I like I like what he's trying to do, finding purpose in the world. But it kind of goes back to the last episode where Adrian says to June, well, what are you living for? And June has to figure that out now. We, we don't know. We still don't know where she's at mentally, 100%. They get a bomb drop about these kids being Padre, and I don't know where she's at as a result of this, too. I don't know how, how much darker she can get. What's she going to cut off next? <laughs> Shrike's hair? <laughs> oh, haircuts. <laughs> oh, Thank perfect so segue much. into something. That was brought to my attention this weekend. <laughs> a certain someone giggled their way across <laughs> our bedroom to show me a picture on their phone to which I woke up someone because I was laughing so hard about. Dave, did you know that if you look at a picture of Shrike dead on, <laughs> that it looks exactly the same as you in your Afro wig? Me? Me? Yes. They're the same. There might be a reason for that. You were basically cosplaying haircut this last <laughs> weekend. Okay. And you didn't know, but it's it's the uh, same. So what's interesting about what you just said was Maya Eshet. Maya Eshet is Israeli. And so there might be something to that. <laughs> so you can hear it in. It's more about the wig, Dave, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> Just want you to. I used to have that haircut. A lot of gel. She's got a very unique accent. And so I, I did enjoy hearing. She's trying to like act out of it, but you can kind of hear, hear it, this episode. it on certain certain yeah. words. Yeah. So it's it's kind yeah. of funny because uh, she sounds, I mean, you, if you want a similar accent, but a lot more harsh, it's like a Wonder Woman. Gal Gadot. Gadot. Yeah, Gal Gadot is like that too. But except way more harsh. If Gal Gadot tries, maybe she could sound like Maya Eshet. But uh, <laughs> no, I don't think so. But that's funny as fuck. <laughs> Maya Eshet and me and my... Which now we have to put a picture of me in the wig next to Maya Eshet. Include it. There we go. Yep. In the blog, of course. Dead that's, on. That's where we put all the Dead good on. shit. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that to you though? Oh, is that some... You do, shall remain nameless or... Shall remain nameless unless Ooh. they want to take credit for it, so... <laughs> I'm going to just, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say it. So the captain for this one's going to be who wore it better. <laughs> she did. I'm just going to say it out loud. I was sus on how I looked at the party, know. but we won't talk about that. I don't know. We won't talk about that. Can we please, please, please talk about this ridiculous notion that they need a different leader? Okay. Hmm. Yep. Can Fine. we talk about this for a minute? Okay. 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 So, <laughs> so not the commander Salazar. No, he's not the leader. <laughs> no, he's he's already a leader, but apparently not the leader they need. Neither is Madison. I, at first, I was really angry about this whole thing because I was like, Daniel's a leader already. What are they talking about? But then I realized that the reason they're looking for a leader is not really a leader. It's because they're looking for someone to connect with the kids and be able to convince them. Right. Yeah. So it's not really a leader. They're just looking for someone to help convince the kids. Mm -hmm. Why would it not be Ren? Mm -hmm. You know, I was thinking the same thing. This episode, she shines. You're going to get the person who kidnapped all of them to convince them. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's going to work. You're going to get someone who's experimenting on them to convince them that's not gonna work either sorry so mm -hmm. and now you're gonna pick you're a gonna pick stranger some sh literally a schmo that nobody <laughs> knows that's who you're gonna pick 
You're not going to pick the girl that grew up with them. That's like already turned against them. Come on. Who steps in the line of fire to prevent Hawk from gunning down Daniel. I I have to admit, like you feel that baby Mo, I'm going to call her baby Mo for obvious reasons. She's, she's a lot like Morgan and she'll do the Morgan thing. And it's kind of refreshing that it's not Morgan. Oh, yes. Did I just, I just blow your mind. I think she's, I think she's doing a great job. I, what, I mean, look, she's being written that way, but I I think it's really cool to see that the voice of a child coming up from the den of adults are almost adults arguing with each other about this little thing in the middle. And then she's coming out and she's coming out front. The very thing that the parents are trying to get and the very thing the teenagers trust, they trust Mo. They have a relationship. So you're going to shoot Mihawk. I just like it. I like what you're saying. I'm, I mean, I'm hundred percent agreeing with you. I was thinking either her or Dove even Dove's a little bit older, could be recognized as a leader too, but Ren really the, the actress, I'm going to say the actress, I think stepped it up this episode i did feel mm-hmm. a little bit differently about the acting this episode oh, okay. but, but the character in general too i really liked where the character is going she has this resilience <laughs> like her mother in a in a very solid moral compass, wait who's her mom like again her I- Sorry, isaac and rachel sure. would be very proud of isaac their daughter. and rachel well we're getting more yeah, of the so like Ju- we're getting more of like the judith vibe yeah yeah i'm tough and even though i'm like small mm-hmm. i can do what i put my mind to you you're getting things. more of that so but I like that it's not like Judith in the sense that, like, okay, Judith is obviously capable. Mo is capable. Judith is like an exceptional badass. But she's using her voice. But that's that's kind of like why I'm I'm like, well, it's good that they're not replicating that. You know, they're not mm-hmm. making it mm-hmm. the same. I like that she's using her words like Morgan would. Also, it's it's her essentially her kid, her father. But no, please don't start giving speeches like Morgan. But it's not she rally is. anyone. But they're very short speeches because her vocabulary is no. She's <laughs> like, come on, bitch, shoot me. You know, shoot me. Yeah, but like Fuck in, you. in a nice kid who doesn't say bitch no she said it just like that she's, i quoted oh, okay. that was a direct just like, quote just like shrike at the end it said i'm gonna race a thousand walkers on these kids yeah. fuck them yeah that's what <laughs> she said that's what that she said at the accent. end of the episode yeah <laughs> the amazing accent that bridget admires uh, that's Maya she Eshet. Has, she's israeli yeah. so that's how they talk yeah. it's beautiful <laughs> hey i wore it better anyway <laughs> I like that it's not Dove either, though. I like that Dove is conflicted. I like that she's messed up about this shit, too. Look, as much as we, we can rail on kids acting, RJ Grimes, they're, they're doing okay. They're hanging just, in there. You have <laughs> such a vendetta against RJ. Okay, can I read some of these I'm comments? I'm so scared. There is some hilarious stuff that is coming up here. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Thomas says, all haircuts are precious. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Agree- you. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> Christopher Gonzalez says, "Time to reboot World Beyond with Mo and Dove as the leads." Mm-hmm. Ben says, "Maybe Acceptable. Heath can be the new leader." Tira Who? says, Heath, Who? Heath, <laughs> should, Heath, "Heath should have been yeah. Patre." <laughs> And immediately <laughs> taken out. Anyway, uh, and then Thomas, sorry, Heath. Thomas says the writers could never replicate that. Ben says PPP stands for Padre. David Carranza laughs. And then Christopher Gonzalez says, or personal pan pizza, right. which free coupon. Yeah. Benjamin Scottford also said, imagine she keeps tranquilizing people and they just wake up with the worst haircut they've ever had. <laughs> Acceptable. Acceptable. They'll never come back. They'll abandon their kids right away. I won't let them see me like this. <laughs> no. There can only be one haircut. It's the high hair, high lander, high sculptor. The hair lander. Airlander, come on. Thank you. It was right there, Dave. It's right here. Yeah. Why? I I want to see something that might please (laughs) see something that might please Sharon that I caught. 
was that June does shoot the gun with her right hand in the middle finger. Yeah. I zoomed in on it two times. I just said, I said, it's pretty taking cool. June's finger really didn't slow her down yeah. at all. I mean, she missed, she missed a, a couple of shots. Mm-hmm. You got to give it to her, but she got, she got him in the end and uh, more power to her. I thought she was going to go Southpaw, but no, she no. was looking real tough. In this episode, so. Damn. But also, in a sense, I like that she was listening, in a sense. I like that she was just taking this all in, kind of like, I mean, Madison obviously is doing the thing where she does, she's like, ah, tell him the truth. And June's just kind of like sitting there. And I kind of like that because of where we were left off by the end of this episode. Broken. Again. So, when she finally says to Ben, you're a monster. That's all she can say for doing this. I'm watching her. I'm watching her. Paying close attention to her. I really like it. With her sad hair. The director (laughs) of this episode whose name I cannot remember is also the director of Cindy Hawkins and Sonny Boy. Oh! Ron something. It's Ron something. When I was like, Madison and June get off the boats, you know, they're being taken by Padre. They get off the boats and, and Daniel and his group come along. I loved that June and Madison had that like shared look and kind of smiled. Yes, Daniel <laughs> would do this. Coming in the clinch. <laughs> I loved it so much. It wasn't quite as good as the cup. The but cup it was was the year of my take up. Yeah. yeah, the cup really really got me. It was so funny. June needs to take them all back to her cabin where she's got the extensive cachet of guns in her floorboards. Good point to bring up about that episode. I want to mention that Thomas is right. Ron Underwood is the director for this episode. That's correct. And Spinelli uh, was uh, was right about that. Was agreeing too. Very cool. Yeah. I did like this. I like the way I like some of the direction of this episode too. Emily says it's crazy that Fear's 8A finale time slot got moved. Yes. Okay. So that's something that I wanted to say at the top too that I forgot was that I don't know about be, being moved but obviously the Fear the Walking Dead mid-season finale was probably supposed to be at the 9pm slot but they're moving Dead City to that s- slot which might mean so we don't you, we just don't know what's going to happen then well no we're not who knows what's going to happen it the means mid, that it, it the, it, the mid-season finale or, might not be this the episode that they thought it was going to be initially. it might be several episodes it might be several reasons is it could be they could play it at 10 they could play it at 8 who knows but they didn't they all they announced was that Dead City was going to take that slot they didn't say what was going to happen for the Fear of the Walking Dead season mid-season finale so thank you Emily I appreciate that another detail I kind of liked was that we do get a little bit of insight in what Padre was supposed to be about also and that was not just a harbor from the apocalypse storm but they were meant to with those shipping containers seed the world again Mm -hmm. you know to be this reconstruction plan post-apocalypse let's build these communities back up so they can we can get on board and get Kraken. One of the details I really liked was in the moment that General Krennic is done for, you look to the left and you look to the right, one says polar, one of the shipping containers says polar, and the other says desert. So they have contingencies for all different types mm-hmm. of environments. Yeah, I saw that. I don't think they're limiting it to just the United States. I think they're they're thinking world rebuilding sort of situation. It's interesting, too, because in that scene where he's talking to the kids before he leaves on the boat, he's talking about how he felt like he was left a message from their mother with the binoculars and seeing the woodpecker that they have families and they like help to protect each other. So if his goal was rebuilding to protect families, how interesting that that is exactly the opposite of what his children are doing. Well, obviously what he did didn't work. Yeah, because they're dum-dums. <laughs> Dad needs his binoculars or he'll die. (laughs) Okay, that was a self-fulfilling prophecy. He was like the most Buster Bluth (laughs) character I've ever seen on A Walking Dead. (laughs) Buster from Arrested Development for context. I walked on my pillow. (laughs) 
<laughs> Arrested Development, folks. Casey didn't know. Watch Sometimes it if you haven't, because it's right. hilarious. Smoke him if you got him. Buster should be part of this universe because he also lost a hand. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of our heroes. Lucille. Hero. Lucille. <laughs> oh, man. Lucille. Rest in peace. Jessica Walters. We do have to talk about the birds, I suppose. Should we talk about the birds that were mentioned oh, in this episode? Yes. And the bees? Or just the birds? No, fuck just the, bees. the birds. God damn it, Rachel. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so we mentioned Woodpecker just now. Woodpecker appears should've in different mythologies. Dwight's that should have been Dw Dwight's name. Well, especially was it the mid spotted? No, the, the red headed woodpecker should have been Dwight's fucking <laughs> podcast. Yeah, it was the mid it was the mid spotted was yeah, the one they were looking at. You'll like this because yeah, you might be right, Sharon. In different mythologies, the woodpecker appears, and that's one of its the Norse god of thunder, Thor. It's mm. the sound Mjolnir makes. So the pecking of the of the bird against mm. the wood. The Roman god of war, Mars. So there's a bit of that military war, that reference. And that represents actually not war itself, but the fertilization of the earth with manure. I don't know. Listen, <laughs> I don't make anyway. Uh, which okay, I'm but you know, if you it. gotta grow the seeds. You got to do the manure. I don't know. Celts believe that the, it's a sign of rain. Native Americans believe that it's the woodpecker represents friendship and happiness, which is unlikely pairings. This I like this one a little bit more, and it goes into the story of the coyote and the woodpecker. The, the coyote sees the woodpecker and sees its red head, especially the mid-spotted, which is an unusual version of it. And he sees the woodpecker and he says, oh, your hair is on fire. And he says, yeah, I was born like this. The coyote wants to be like the woodpecker. So he takes a bunch of ashen twigs and puts it on its head, and it starts to light up. And he goes... I'm a, I'm a coyote and I was born like this. And the woodpecker goes, no, coyote, I'm your friend. Don't do not do that. The coyote says, no, but I was born like this. Soon enough, the hair on his head twinges and goes on fire and the coyote goes straight into the river and he tries to douse it. It's the idea of unlikely pairings becoming friends and yet they can't be. I like the metaphor of that for these two factions meeting, these, these parents meeting the children, in a sense. In the Zodiac, the Native American Zodiac, they are caretakers and kind-hearted. No. In the Bible, it represents God's existence and might, specifically because of the ability for the woodpecker to peck the wood with its head and not have any long-term effects. There's something about the physiology I thought was kind of interesting. Let's go to Crane. Now, what's interesting about the last name Krennic is that it is actually Crane in German. So Ben is Crane Crane, essentially. Their last name, surname means Crane in German. The Crane represents grace, devotion, faithfulness, travel, open-mindedness, and it gets better, aspiration, longevity, immortality, and transformation. Mm. So there's a path here. If you look at grace, it's like, well, let's recover from this with grace and try to make something better. Devotion to Padre, let's say, or their vision, faithfulness in their vision, travel. So they, the idea that maybe they will seed the world in their own stupid way. <laughs> Open-mindedness, well, we, one can only hope. Aspiration, aspiring to be something else. Longevity. So now we're starting to go into well, what does this therapy mean? This radioactive therapy or the radiation therapy. Immortality. Well, maybe we can live forever. Who knows? And transformation. So that's the one that gets me the most is that do you think Ben might, considering the fact that he might have been responsible for his dad's death, well, he most likely was the reason. And who knows? I, I don't I don't know if their father would have made it this way or that, by the way. It wouldn't have mattered. The binoculars aside, I don't think it would have mattered. But do you think that he carries that burden with him and that he just does what Shrike tells him to do? Do you think that he might come around? I think he definitely carries 
carries the, the burden of his dad's death with him. Whether or not we'll see. How can it not? Everybody in the universe carries some kind of guilt for something they've done. But yeah. they're not all baby stealing. They've survived this despots. long. done some so. shit. I immediately thought of June when I saw what Ben had done, essentially carrying the weight of trying to save people and not being able able to. It's heartbreaking. So I don't know. I'm, I'm waiting to see if this does something. Some One of them has to waver or something like that. I don't know. Emily says, that's a hugely insightful question. Way more so than anything written lately on the show. On the show. Oh, yeah. No, and I, I think the show might might ask that question, what he's been carrying for so long. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see if they even get into it with how little time they have, actually. They're not known for making their villains extremely... Villainy. Or deep. We add depth to them because we all kind of put our own little head cannons to them, but Martha wasn't a particularly deep villain. Virginia, as much as, we, as much as we love Virginia... <laughs> and put stories on her. We did. As much as we love Virginia, she wasn't a particularly deep character because we put our own explanations on why she was doing stuff. The show never gave her any explanations other than Dakota. She had so mm-hmm. much potential, so, too, for story. The show has never been super good at putting deep, thoughtful villains with depth on there. So I don't really think... I don't I don't think we'll get much more of anything. I, I believe like this is lazy. like it. It this could is be. What, this is what we're going to get of Padre. This is the explanation could be. we're going to get. Let's move on to Hawk, though. Hawk represents intelligence, a.k.a. They're very intelligent birds. They use tools. They actually plan and they strategize. They also represent independence, meaning they're not social birds. Though they do mate for life, they part after raising chicks and come back. They go out and hunt individually, usually, and then come back and have more chicks. It's weird. They mate for life, but they're okay with their independence. It's like me and my wife. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Adaptability. They can hunt anywhere and eat anything. So they can be in any environment. A hawk, by the way, is one of the Praetorians. He's the lead Praetorian. goes, you're lying, dove. And it's like, well, stop being with them. Be with us. Why are you betraying us? Padre doesn't owe you shit. Messages. I hate when they say messages because they never really explain until you read further down. They decompartmentalize and regain objectivity. They're able to see the big picture, essentially. And clairvoyance slash spiritual awareness. Now, they have really, really good eyesight. They can see from basically 100 miles away their prey. But in addition to that, when you see a hawk, it represents seeing beyond the material and seeing the spiritual, like the spiritual realm. Their eyesight is so good they can see beyond. So I don't see that for this kid, but maybe. I don't know. The show can surprise us. Clock is right. Twice a day. Broken clock. Emily says they haven't really had many Fear the Walking Dead villains that weren't flat and one dimensional. Thomas says there will be a 10 minute monologue where a villain explains everything, <laughs> which does bother me. Show don't tell. Emily says and then gets an abrupt, unsatisfying death. Oh, Leah. Cry emojis. Of course, that was The Walking Dead, but still. Yeah, that was The Walking Dead. Yeah. Leah, Virginia. Well, even Ginny to a certain extent, even though you kind of wanted it, you did want that story. You, I made a whole story up about her being John Dory Sr.'s long lost daughter. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. That was a great spin. Well, I mean, according to me, but I thought it was great. So that's where we're going with it. That episode was called... Go write your fanfic, Dave. I did. And I put in a blog and Rachel and I talked about it, didn't we? I think it was just me and you. I forget. The Dory Dilemma? No, yes. right? something like that. Yeah. I thought it was a pretty good spin on, on something. I thought it was pretty <laughs> awesome. Tied up so many loose ends. You put a lot of thought into it. I will. I did. I, got, I wrote I it all out. for that. Thank you. I appreciate that. I don't often <laughs> go off on a yarn that, that listen didn't have to be true but I kind of <laughs> liked where it was going <laughs> Emily says lol watch it Emily watch it and then there was Dakota Dilemma after that so anyway we'll, we'll just keep going <laughs> Actually, no, Dakota Dilemma came first. No, that episode was called Finding John Dory Sr. That's what that one's called. Basically, Dave's written two fanfics, and they're called (laughs) the Dory Dilemma and the Dakota Dilemma. Hey, the Dakota Dilemma. 
He likes the word dilemma. I didn't know that, but <laughs> but I accurately predicted Dakota's death in that episode. So suck it, Bridget. First time I get to say that. <laughs> the <Ever>. David dilemma. <laughs> Where David goes on a yarn and we should keep moving on. <laughs> What do you think about Shrike's proposal on uh, releasing thousands of walkers on the kids <laughs> to basically conceal the island? They know the parents know where the island is. That's the reason why she's doing this. And she, she's letting them loose so that they'll be they'll basically fall into a trap and the kids are ha- going to have to get themselves out of it. Are they moving on from the kids is what I'm saying. She's like, if I can't have these kids, no one can. No one can. I'm just going to kill them all. <laughs> She's really showing her CRM right now. You know what I mean? I was getting ready to say, I did say that CRM makes a practice of using walkers to overtake Mm -hmm. cities and whatnot. And that's kind of what she's doing here. I mean, I knew it from her haircut, but it's making it clearer, you know? She and Jadis have the same hairstylist. (laughs) A lawnmower? It's me. It's me. I cut their hair. Oh, don't I take credit for that. I never huh? want you no, to cut baby. my hair. No, Thanks. baby girl, don't, no. Do don't do it. <laughs> Rachel, you're so much better than that. Don't. <laughs> no, well, stop. No, stop. They, don't. don't take that bullet. They asked me. We for love that you cut. too much. They Ooh. ask you for that. Cut. <laughs> I gave them exactly what they wanted. You fucking did Sam's yeah. too, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yep, she slapped that olive oil and vinegar soaked bowl right on his head. Butter. I had just he gotten had to done squeeze- a salad and I'm like, this will work. <laughs> he, he just kept slipping his head between the railings. We had to butter his head to get out. So we just left I him mean, that he way. Was- he wouldn't sit still, so I'm like, this is like what you 80s, get. Like an 80s sitcom. Okay, so there is one thing I wanted to bring up. Lois, you can go to ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead if you wanted to, but I, I'll let you know. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's actually in the right on the page. It's right down, right down there. By the way, you could tip us during the stream if you want to, to show your love and support. And it'll show up on the screen. You'll see um, Nicholas say thank you to Glenn. That's what it'll show. It'll show a GIF, an animated GIF. GIF, it's a GIF. No, no, it's not. Dave, no, <laughs> no, Emily no, says, what's the no. point of cons- What's the point of concealing eye for the parents with the walkers if there won't be ki- no kids as- to use as blackmail to defend it? <laughs> You'd take an escape plan at that point. Yeah, I think that's the point. <laughs> ben, s- ben says, Dave, ben! after talking about birds for 10 minutes, I don't often go off on a yarn. <laughs> right? <laughs> The ben. magic of editing. Ben, <laughs> Audio podcasts will not have to deal with that, Benjamin. You sum- <laughs> you've summed it all up. Did you hear the cackle coming out of us after he said that? We were all like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because <laughs> David is at least self-aware. <laughs> this is true. This is true. I did want to bring up one more thing, and that was, and it's probably going to be the only thing I got left, and that's... This is like the fourth time you said I want to bring up minutes. one more thing. <laughs> no, no. The, I tracked the last episode, and it was really just one more thing, and this is the only one I'm saying one more thing. June essentially <laughs> says to me... <laughs> Somebody fart? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. June repeats to Madison what Morgan had said to Alicia at the stadium. She says, literally, I left you once at the stadium and you saved us all. I will not leave you now. I will be there until the end. I liked that. It was a reflection of what Morgan said to Alicia at the stadium as well. Because I stepped aside for your brother. I will not step aside for you. I like that little callback to season four. And I like what that means for June and Madison. But there's something about, I like how you can also tie that to something that we had said at the end of season seven that you guys railed on me for. But I thought it was relevant. And that was when Ava decides to go after Odessa. Morgan is like, don't do it. It's your death. You're going to die. Madison too. And she just, she, he just lets her go. And I agreed with the decision. Obviously you didn't have to convince me. I just thought it was kind of, it kind of sucked because you knew what was going to come. You knew it was going to happen. There is an element of that in this episode. Morgan and Madison stepped aside for Ava and she died. And I think it's relevant in this episode because yeah, Madison is responsible. Madison 
and Morgan are responsible for Ava's death. Ava Sanderson, Odessa's mother, just to tie that up in a bow. On top of it being a callback and on top of it kind of threading to this episode about parents meeting children and what it means to not give up on somebody when these kids are told that their kid, their parents gave up on them. There's something to at least this part of the writing that I kind of enjoy, at least on a underlying level, like what it means to not give up on somebody. I don't believe they're responsible for Ava's death. I'm sorry, I got stuck on that. I, I don't. I don't. Ava is ultimate responsible for Ava's death. No, sure. I believe Padre is ultimately responsible for Ava's death because sure. they're the reason she was mm-hmm. out doing what she was doing. Well, yeah. I mean, you could put the blame on a lot of people. I mean, you could even put the blame on Ava. She's responsible for her own actions, even though she could have taken the information and not done that. But people are going to feel what they're going to feel. Morgan might feel something about that had he been there, and he's not. But Madison is there, and that's what. And that's another yet another reason why she feels like she can't stop Shrike and Crane. Oh, Emily says, I don't know about all of that. Well, I don't know about Hall, but I enjoy the bird tangent. Oh, thank you. No, but no, y'all. you guys stop. Stop telling him. Stop telling him you enjoy it. Because it's just going to keep going. Just And it was my idea in the beginning. And By the way, he's just taking it over because I'm lazy and I don't care anymore. I was going to do it anyway, but you <laughs> didn't do it So for the last few episodes. I, I like how da- David Cron says, David is so insightful and eloquent. No, no, the, see, this is what I'm... No, no, no. He's no, adorable. No, no. See, Carranza, <laughs> stop. Stop. I'm going to ask you. Please stop. Listen, don't the do public it. has spoken. Except for... It was two you know, people, Dave. Except for Benjamin. People. Benjamin, you're on my shit this list. Is, this, is, this is what he does. <laughs> this is what he I'll does. That's the same public that writes thousands hundreds of letters of saying that they don't want to hear us laughing. Thousands <laughs> of people have complained. Four, eight are awesome. Thousands of people have All complained right. about our laughing. <laughs> Show me okay. the receipts. Show me the receipts. Because I know it was mentioned earlier in the chat that they rigged over Daniel's memory problems. But do you think that's that book has been closed or do you think he still might be dealing with some of that? I think it'll probably come up again. Come up again. But I'm too hopeful. Do you think that might be also why he's also also not considered maybe possibly a leader, that he's the leader that they needed now and that he's still kind of struggling? I don't know. Only time will tell, Dave. I think that the Yerba Mate or whatever it's called was just a easy, quick way for the writers to be like, okay, we don't have to worry about Daniel's mental illness anymore. All gone. He can move on and be a badass again. He had this magical drink in his cup and now it's all good and he'll be fine. And yeah, I don't think it's going to come back again. I I think that's it because he's Said, wow. I have this drink that makes my mind better, and that that is it. That's the address. For, that's how they're gonna address it. I don't. I don't know if that's gonna be it, but I don't know. We'll see. I guess we'll see. You're right, right, Bridget. I, I really hope. Sure. I really hope that's not the case. Yeah. I, really I know really that's how we feel. I can tell you that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> Ah, uh, <laughs> this show. Why? Why? <laughs> Maya Esha talks like this. Really, I don't know. I'm Israeli. He's only Kermit. What is happening? Tumblr after dark. Guys, if you like what you heard, head, head over to ratethispodcast.com slash Dead. Five stars and an eggplant is all we need to know that you love us. But tell us what you liked. Tell us what you didn't like. Tell us if uh, Dave does really go on for on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> well, nobody, Nobody's willing to stop him. After every episode, and if you really like what you've heard, head over to either ko-fi.com slash Dead or patreon.com slash Dead and just follow us for free. It'll let you know when we put our recording schedules up, as well as a whole host of other cool behind-the-scenes stuff that we don't 
post on social media. And if you feel inclined, you could tip us during the stream to support us and receive 30 days of support about content via Kofi, or you can join a membership tier on either Kofi or Patreon. That will also show up during the stream if you join a membership tier right now, and you'll get instant access to our Discord, our unedited recording sessions, except for this one because we went live, and a whole host of other cool starter features. And if you are in the Whispers and Survivors tiers, you will get credits at the end of this episode, among whom are at RealRyanGM on Twitter, at ElisaJones71 on Instagram, and at JonesAJ6 on Twitter, or FanArtLindy, who you can find at ko-fi.com slash FanArtLindy. And on to our Whispers tier members, we've got at J13Voorhees and at TylerFieldCox on Instagram and Twitter. We've got at Sandy.D.Morrison on Facebook, Aiden Atkin, who you can find on ko-fi.com slash Aiden Atkin, and at Judith.Morton on Instagram. Thank you all for joining us. I've been your host, David Cameo, and I was joined by Cosmo Zero and I, Rachel Burt, Sharon D, aka Blazy Gardner, and Bridget, ko-fi.com slash Punky Brewster. That's P-U-N-K-Y-B-R-U-I-S-E-T-E-R. And Jaden says, it's free, everyone. Follow for free, goddammit. <laughs> Take care. We'll see you real soon, and I hope we all get more mildly enjoyable episodes that might lead to some really cool, cool moments, perhaps sort of like the second episode for those who did enjoy it. And to the rest of you, hang in there. <laughs> we'll be right there with you. And hopefully we'll get to talk about the camp and release the, la- the last two episodes we recorded on Fear the Walking Dead, saddest moments and favorite moments, as well as so many other things like our panel interviews. Our panels! From the camp, one of which mm-hmm. is interviewing the Ladies of Fear, a.k.a. Mo Collins, who plays Sarah Rabinowitz, and Colby Minifee, who plays Virginia, a.k.a. Ginny, on Fear the Walking Dead. And they were hilarious. Yeah, and Bridget and I got to interview both Washington and Wells, Reapers from The Walking Dead, a.k.a. Ethan McDowell. Ethan McDowell and Robert Terrell Hayes. I like saying Terrell Hayes. I'm sorry. He's such a beautiful man. And that was really, really fun. Both panels revealed a pretty cool behind-the-scenes story, so... Mm -hmm. Robert Hayes was kind enough to join us at Christmas for our trivia party. That was who... That's uh, right. For our trivia um, trivia drive. Right. uh, Squawking Dead Trivia Charity Battle. That's right. Mm -hmm. He took the critiques like a champ and we mentioned it on stage and he almost forgot that he participated i'm sure there's a reason for that but he's a (laughs) wonderful wonderful man with a wonderful wonderful charity that uh you should look into uh, and you should watch that episode and uh benjamin was there too we can't forget that he was in the trivia he's in the audience right now he's in the trivia battle as well that's right and so was thomas so was thomas right Yep, Thomas T. For a little while at least. Well, keep your eyes opened and your ears peeled. Plugged. <laughs> for for something in the works, probably yeah. pretty soon. So Probably in another month. We'll pre- with the rate this is going, folks. Sometime soon. Yeah, fingers crossed. Wait, quit it, Dave. I have no idea what you're talking quit about. Quit it, quit it. Robin. Oh, it's time quit for it. bed for Rachel. Quit it. Bedtime for You know for what? Dave has to go because he's got a CRM meeting. Because he's got a bad, a bad wig. There's a yeah, there's a haircut under here. Yeah. Anyways, good night, everybody. We'll see you real soon. And I'm sorry that we uh, yeah, I don't no, I'm not sorry for anything. Fuck them kids. <laughs> good night, everybody. Whoa. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Aggressive. David is aggressive. <laughs>